Adam, my taxes are done. The season's over. I'm just going vacation and not have to see you again for another year. Well, yeah, because you're never going to have to file your taxes again unless it's another year away. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. They're never going away. So here at Adam Up Accounting, we're glad to help you during tax time. But if you're also a larger seller, if you uh, need to run payroll, if you really want some help running those uh, bookkeeping reports, because I know how good you are at that, uh, we're happy to help you. We have uh, really good affordable monthly plans on these uh, higher seller, um, you know, you're running it like a business, you've got some good amount of income, we'd be happy to take care of you so that your uh, accounting needs are taken care of. Well, I don't want to talk to you, though. I don't want to call up and just get some office off in, you know, New Brunswick or somewhere. <laughs> hey, we're here. You can message us on our website, shoot us uh, a message on social media. We'd be glad to help you out, kind of tell you what options we have so that you can be more organized and teach you and help you make more money and pay less to Uncle Sam. What's your website and where do I find you on social media then, my friends? Everything's Adam Up Accounting. Uh, you can look us up there on our website. You can follow us, get some Wednesday wisdom. We try to give you some tips. You can also link through the uh, podcast, Death Files and Taxes. Get those taxes uh, taken care of so you have more time to make money elsewhere. Taxes, our episode. We've got a special guest, and Dior is going to run it down. Apparently, this guy is is large and in charge in a lot of circles, and I'm not in that circle. This is this is a good get, Adam. We're we're lucky to have him. We have Mr. Sand Morning in here with us today. Uh, he's a two podcast man, at least that I know of. You have more than two podcasts, Sand? Uh, just the two podcasts, and then the YouTube channel, which is the main focus, actually. So he has uh, Wrestling with Cards, Worlds Collide, and then he has a, a YouTube channel, which is where I first found his stuff, where he just goes over Wrestling with Cards and uh, shows you down uh, sets, what you're looking for. He's been great for me finding cards that I've been wanting to get. Also, from what I understand, you're a, you're a coffee guzzler and absolutely member of the Bills Mafia. So Absolutely. For, for life, since the... Uh... All those losses in the playoffs and Super Bowls, and I've just been, and I, I'm not even anywhere near New York, but here I am. And I, well, that, I, that is, actually, that actually started from all my friends being Cowboys fans at the time, and I'm like, I can't be with these guys. I got to go with the other way. So that's where it started. Derek is quite that way. If we all go one way, he'll go the other way, just to spite us. So now, let me break it down for you. We got Adam here. Are you a big college football guy? I am not. Just pro. Okay. Well. Uh, who's who's the Bills' biggest rival? Uh, it's got to be the Patriots currently. So Patriots, could you ever see yourself cheering for the radio the, for the Patriots and for the Bills? Uh, from a fan perspective, no. From a betting or fantasy perspective, yes. So so if if Tom Brady were the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills and had won all of these titles, but then left out of kind of a a bad sky, and he went to the Patriots. Would you still like root for Tom Brady? Uh, from a fan perspective, no. Exactly. Well, Thank you. You are. I guess if it went the other way and he were, was with the Patriots forever, 
won all of those Super Bowls, but then came to the Bills, like you'd probably reform that because it gets it's your favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the quarterback at that point. And I actually, like, I know this is probably off topic, but I actually like Tom Brady now because he transitioned. Obviously, he's out of the AFC East, so the Bills don't have to worry about him really anymore from that perspective. But also, he really reminded me when he went to the Buccaneers, nobody wanted him. He's too old, you know, all that stuff. And all of a sudden, he wins a Super Bowl. I'm like, this has a really good correlation with when Hogan went heel and turned into Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden, everybody loved the guy, and he, re- he reinvigorated his career. That's kind of how I view Brady right now. Well, well, Adam's the ultimate flip-flop fan. We got rivalry colleges, and he, he cheers for both of them somehow. <laughs> and, uh, and his favorite wrestler is Brutus the Bar Beefcake, so that tells you anything you need to know about him. Wow. All right. <laughs> so, so those of you who are new to the show, thanks for, for bringing on Listen with us. We talk a lot about reselling online because there's always things that can be bought and sold. Derek and Zan, they're obviously kind of down that wrestling format, but we all sell different things, and they'll share a couple stories with us. Going to give you a hot tip. Zach Moss at a University of Utah, he is a buy. He was a buy about a year ago when I was buying him, so that's that's my guy, Utah zone. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been surprised. Like, I don't know what he's doing on the team, really, like – they keep using Singletary and Zach Moss and they keep bouncing back and forth. And I'm like, where are they going to go? But it looks like Moss is kind of running away with the share of everything there. He's the guy that keeps scoring the touchdowns. Yeah. He does. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fans of him over here. So uh, yep. Bill's games get on, get on it that way. But um, let's just break it down for those that don't know you, which is probably a lot of our audience. Uh, let's talk about what, what intrigued me and why I wanted to get you on the show is how you got into eBay and how you go about buying and how you built your collection. So can you just kind of break down that story for everyone? And we'll interject and ask you some questions as we go along. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Anytime you want to interject, just uh, speak up and we can go into more detail. Basically, I think I started it as 2006, I think is my eBay start date. Now I actually bought on eBay, uh, nine, I think it was nineteen. no, 2000 or 2003 is when I made my first purchase somehow I remember it actually it was a dead Kennedys album that I really wanted and I had to order it from like New Zealand because nobody here had it and I was so that's my first experience with buying from the selling perspective it was like 2006 and I opened an account because I had moved out I moved out of my house I was in college I actually purchased my first home at that same time and I was like, okay, my mom says I got to clear out the attic. I got to get all this stuff that I've had. And what am I going to do with it? Some of it I kept, some of it I still have, some of it I got rid of immediately. And I was like, how do I get rid of this stuff? Like garage sale seems pointless. What am I going to do? All of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, there's this thing called eBay that people buy quote junk from. And I was like, I'm going to try to make some money and see what happens. And it just kind of it's kind of gone from there. I mean, uh, every every year it's just getting more and more into it. Uh, I, and then, you know, I kind of pick and choose the avenues. I'm, I find that some things are not worth my time and that people say is worth your time. Like it ends up not being worth my time. Some of it people are saying is a waste of time and actually ends up being very valuable to me personally. So I don't know where you guys want to take it from there. So what was your first big sell? What was the one thing? Because, you know, you, you put up stuff and some things go, some don't. What was first item that went that you thought okay this is a uh, this is something worth running with or you know investing in you guys remember the cartoon and action figures mask they were like little guys that had like transforming cars from the 80s i honestly don't remember i know most of those but not that one 
Yeah, it was, uh, there were like one inch figures. They had a, a helmet that would transform them kind of. And they, they would have like a, a van that turned into like a flying jet or like a semi truck that turned into this like battlefield type thing. Really cool stuff. I still actually like the the show and I think the toys are cool. I just don't really feel like owning them anymore. But anyway, I got a, their, it was like their big playset, and it was a, it was this big mountain. It was a gas station and the gas station turned into a battlefield. And like these guns pop out of the top of the hill. It was a really cool thing. I bought it at a garage sale when I was uh, a kid for like five or $10. And at the time I was like, well, that's a lot of money because I don't have a job when I'm, you know, 10 years old. But then it's set in the attic and uh, there's no, it's worth a lot more than that now, but I think I ended up selling it, uh, taking out the shipping charges and taxes, all that stuff. I think I ended up selling it for $150 at the time. And that's again, 2006, 2007. So I was like, oh my gosh, I just made a huge sale off this. What else can I do? And that's kind of where it got kicked off. Then the next question is how do I ship this, right? Yeah. And I just, um, you know, I didn't, it's, it's kind of what I do now. I worried about it later. I was like, all right, well, I sold this. Let's figure it out instead of, you know, I think a lot of people don't get started selling because they have too many questions beforehand instead of just jumping in because, for me, that was the best learning process of what works, what doesn't, what kind of corners can you cut as far as expenses, what goes into it as far as what you list the item at. It was just jumping into it. And I I think I, like I said, I uh, ended up, I don't remember what the selling amount was, but I remember it was like $150 to $175 profit after shipping it, which was like, I don't know, 50 or $60 to put that thing in a giant box, which most, again, most people don't want to they don't want to put in the sweat equity. They don't want to take the time to, oh, I don't have time to ship this. I don't have time to go to the post office. And I, I do, like, I don't care. It's a buck, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, it's really not. And and to share kind of with your listeners, I mean, that's kind of how I got started. Derek's done this for equally as amount as long. He told me a couple of years ago and, you know, I'd sold books on half.com back when mm-hmm. I was in college and all these things, you know, just here and there, but Derek's like, Hey, you should get into this. And, my son and I, he found an old Ronald McDonald's play mat that you'd run your cars over on stuff and yep. found it in the thrift store. And he said, let's buy it. And we bought it for eight bucks. Never done anything. Never really shipped anything. Put it on auction. Some guy in Japan bought it for $350. And I'm like, holy crap. I was the same thing. I didn't know how to ship it. And I called Derek. I'm like, what do I do? And we did it, the world shipping program, global shipping thing. And we made a lot of money. So it's same thing. Like right. I didn't know what I was doing. There's no excuse, like sell it and figure it out. I'm in the same mantra. So. Yep. So when you got into cards, I've heard the story before you basically went to the local card store and you started just buying the cheap cards and you, you haven't invested any of your money into cards. Is that right? Yeah. Other than that initial $15 for that big box. And uh, when you say buying the cheap cards, it wasn't just buying cheap cards. It was buying them in bulk and buying them, like, I want to get into these cards that most people are considered junk from the junk wax era. You know, those cards that everybody thought were going to put their kids through school. They truly are junk, but the fact is there are still people that are driven by nostalgia or that couldn't afford those cards when they were growing up. So now that they can buy them for a dollar, like there's still a demand for those. It Sometimes those cards take a while to sell, but it's all a math game. So I was like, okay, I'm into these cards. I'm into 5,000 cards for you know, a, a fraction of a penny a piece, if I can send, if I can sell them for a dollar, even though you take fees and shipping and all that nonsense out of it, I'm ending up with 40 to 50 cents a card, you know, times that by 5,000. That's no chump change. Yeah, that adds up pretty quick. And then you were able yep. to close those investments because 
the thing that we hear a lot is like, oh, there's nothing to buy around here, or I don't know how to get started, or now it's like, well, cards are too expensive. If I go to a local card store, they want too much. There's no profit. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought just eliminates all those excuses. Of, uh, dude, you're, you're sitting there, you're making 40, 50 cents a card. But yeah, you're doing the multiples of 5,000. Then you can take that profit and invest it into, you know, whether it's something graded or some new product or sealed wax or whatever. You've been right. able to do that and do it pretty successfully from what I understand. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff, it ends up being like, you know, just just coloring up to bigger and better stuff that I actually want to keep. But, you know, the million dollar man has said it best. Anybody who watches wrestling, everybody's got a price. (laughs) And if somebody was to offer me some ridiculous amount of money that's like life changing for stuff I don't want to get rid of, like, sure, I'll take it. If that's going to buy me a house, if that's going to, you know, buy me a, a third house that I can then rent out and then make more money monthly off of that than I could the card itself. And yeah, sure. Why not? So is that the is that the end goal or what what what's your goal with selling online? Is it just kind of something to do? Is it you know some some passive income or do you want it to become something that is that it can you know retire you basically? It started as um, you know getting rid of junk, like I said, which then turned into passive income and picking up stuff here and there at the thrift store. That being said, now um, with especially with the cards, I found the cards are very easy for me to get in at such a low cost that if they end up not selling for something, it ends up not being that big of a deal. If it's those, you know, those cheap cards that I'm into for like a penny or whatever. Um, Obviously it's a different story. If you're talking about selling some of the higher end stuff that I think that's kind of a trap people get into with cards, specifically sports cards, but all cards in general, like people think there's like, if you're going to make money, whether it's passive income or a full-time living from it, you can only do it with these, you know, $5,000 cards and these $1,000, $10,000. But, you know, here I am proving that you can do it on these 99 cent cards if you want to put in the work. And the other thing is those high end cards, like they could go to zero and you're out thousands. Um, If my, you know, penny cards go to zero, so what? Like most of the stuff I buy in collections too. So I will buy, you know, a collection for, you know, four or $500 and I'll take the big stuff out of that. I can usually make my money back within a week on that stuff. And then here I am left with all of these anywhere from, you know, a dollar card to $5 cards. And I just start piecing that out over time, building up inventory. And I found that the cards are really where I like to, to live in because of how easy the shipping is. Cause I just use the plain white envelope and there's a whole method to that, but uh, it's very inexpensive to ship. It's inexpensive to store. Uh, it doesn't take up a lot of room, even though I have thousands of card available for inventory, it doesn't take up as much room as say, you know, if you're running sneakers or if you're doing action figures or any kind of, you know, thing like that that takes up a lot of space. But I've just kind of found out that, you know, people call collecting cards the hobby and reselling, whether it's cards or whether it's, you know, vintage t-shirts I find at a thrift store or whatever, that, that has became, it's become a hobby within a hobby. So with that, you know, I'm just trying to get all kinds of stuff doing. I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to have like 15 plates spinning. So when five of them drop, you know, 10 of them are still going to supply you some money. Only 15, huh? <laughs> well, we can go up if you want. <laughs> that's how that's how parlayed into it with Derek is I, I'm an accountant. So mm-hmm. I, I've I've done accounting for a lot of years and you know I've always done Derek's taxes and it's the best part of accounting. People can say, Oh yeah, I sold fifteen thousand dollars. I'm like, dude, it cost you twenty thousand dollars. Like you have a bad habit. Right. Well, Derek comes in, I'm like Man, that's like $3 million, Jared. Yeah, yeah, $3 million, yeah. <laughs> when are we going to buy that uh, big cabin at Table Rock Lake down there with Zane? It's kind of hanging yeah. <laughs> Like, that's what the kind of money I'm looking for. But no, that's kind of the cool thing is, like I said, accounting. Like, you, you, the nice part is, is 
You can manipulate numbers to pay less in taxes, but you can't Absolutely. lie about numbers. Numbers matter. Like I can see what people really do. And what Derek was doing, I'm like, man, I can, I can do this. And we got into originally doing kind of t-shirt, you know, all kinds of different things from thrift stores, mm-hmm. older gaming units, but then it morphed into cards. And now I'm like, are you serious? Like I, I sold like eight cards for $2,400. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like, and it's fun. And just like, you know, like it's fun. I've got my college athletes. I've got professional, like I like it. And it's so that I totally understand what you're coming from. Like it's fun. Right. And we're, we're in this interesting space where like a lot of people get a bad rap for having too much of a transaction transactional mindset when it comes to cards, because, and I, I agree, like, I think too many people they're going out and buying the, you know, latest hot prospect or the rookie and, you know, Oh, is this going to 20 X overnight? And then I can flip it to go. Like I understand the flip game from the perspective of, Hey, do you need to feed your family and put money, like put food on the table? Then, okay, whatever. But, or if you want to level up to, you know, the 86 Fleer Jordan or that Tom Brady rookie, whatever it is you're going after, you know, that, that sports car you've always wanted, whatever it is your end goal is for flipping. Like I get that. But I also think that it's like, it's a really dangerous game to play because if you get stuff that you just really don't care about, whether that's, you know, that prospect um, somebody from a team, you don't really care, your rival team, whatever, if you're getting that and you don't have a passion for, you know, the, the collectible within the realm of that collectibles world, or if it's not something that you are okay, keeping and going to zero, like, I think it's kind of dangerous. Like, sure. I've made some really good flips from like modern sports cards, be it sealed wax or something I just happened to hit on, but I've actually done better by buying stuff. I absolutely love like, yep the uh all in uh wrestling card set like you could mm-hmm. i was like AE, I, th- I was like i think AEW is going to be a thing i don't know how <laughs> big but i think it's going to be a thing so when these came out from the first all in show i was like okay i'll i'll buy i think i bought 10 sets and at the time you could get them on high spots the more you ordered the more of a discount you got i think i got them between 5 and 10 dollars a piece shipped and right now i mean they're they're no less than 350 dollars so. oh yeah easy i i I thought I did well the other day. I got a pack for uh, two fifty. I, I oh yeah, three packs when they came out. It's kind of the same mindset as you. I just, I just didn't go as as all in. Pardon the pun there as, as I should have. <laughs> uh, but I went through and got a lot of those graded. And I mean, selling, and I probably should have held on to them. Uh, but I kind of see the numbers, and I don't know. But I've sold the M- uh, MJF rookie a couple of those for like uh, you know three four hundred dollars. Uh, the, the nines and then a few of the other cards for a couple hundred dollars and mm-hmm. it, it's all profit at that point um, Any, anything's profit like I I talk about this a lot with other people specific like not a little bit in the reselling stuff but mainly cards like people are like oh I sold this for you know fifty dollars back then and I was only into it for a dollar and I'm like whoa stop right there like you can't look back like you 50 times your money, whether that's a dollar or whether it's $5 million. Like, <laughs> yeah. of course you want that huge gain, but profit's <laughs> profit. And over time, if you're taking that and not spending it on yourself and just rolling that into even more stuff to sell, like over time, it's going to even itself out. So I, I was lucky. I got in the PSA grading right before the big hit. Uh, so a lot of those cards I got, you know, I got them graded for under $20 a card. Nice. Uh, more of the seven to nine because I did the bulk and all that, but Mm-hmm. Speaking of AEW, this has been a hot tip I've been saying on the show to people that know nothing about wrestling. I've told Adam, I went down to our local card store and I said, get me as many of these as you can get. And we're lucky that we have a guy that 
is a cool guy and will pretty much barely make a profit. So I got about three cases coming in of that. I'm, I'm guaranteed to get some of these boxes. Um, how many of those have you pre-ordered or, or are you going in on the, uh, uh, the upper deck AEW cards? Well, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. Have you been buying any of the EPAC stuff or have you seen that? I've seen it, but I haven't, I haven't bought it. Just, I didn't want to deal with the, the paying and having it printed off. And I, I probably should have with that CM Punk, but I didn't do it. All of them. They're all selling for, um, you know, close, close to double what, what they were priced at like immediately. And those are, those are the pre-orders. So no, those aren't even the actual card yet. So there clearly is a demand for AEW cards. Um, I am splitting a case with Tony Vela from the world's collide podcast and wrestling trading cards.com, which is like the best resource for wrestling cards. Uh, me and him are splitting a case. We didn't want to go too crazy with it, but I definitely wanted some as far as like sealed wax. I'm, I generally buy, sealed wax as a long-term hold but then all of a sudden if something comes up and i need some money to pay for something else usually i always win on sealed wax so into a half a case for those and i will just be sitting on them that was that was kind of my idea i kind of wanted a box for myself just to open and and see what i got but i think long term just just sitting on it's the way to do that so yeah and if you want to rip a box i mean you're doing it the right way like rip a box and have fun with it and share it with everybody and let everybody know the kind of product that's in it or if you like it or whatever. But at the end of the day, like that's all going to be covered from all the sealed wax you've got sitting on. So that, that's been the the bolo or the hot tip I've been giving a lot of people that yep. the wrestling cards. I'm like this one. I mean, it, it's selling out the second it goes up on these sites and then the price just went up to the moon on the pre-orders. I've as, as long as I, like, I've never been, I've always been into wrestling cards. I still have the very first wrestling card I ever owned, which is an 87 Tops Hogan. Uh, I got it when I was like four years old and I still have it somehow out of all the collectibles and stuff that I've gotten rid of and resold, still have that one. So I've been into wrestling cards since, you know, the eighties, early nineties, but this out of every wrestling card release ever, which, I mean, you guys probably know as well as I do, like wrestling cards aren't promoted. They're like the bottom of the rung as far as like trading (laughs) cards go usually, but the the excitement and anticipation and even promotion on the actual AEW shows I've never seen anything like this in any wrestling car product. Yeah, I'd agree. We have a we have a friend that's uh, more into like the the eighty two All Stars. He's got the whole set and and kind of doing that thing. And uh, that's I've been texting with him as well. Like, hey, Phil, our local card shop guy can get you know uh, he's he's basically getting as many as he can. Are, are you in for it? And he's uh, he's in on it. I'm trying to get Adam to to get in on it. So. He's got yeah, a couple I, things. I mean, I same thing. You have to be committed. You know, you have to be interested in it. I've I've bought quite a few of the Rock rookie cards or the mm-hmm. I don't know which one did I buy? Yeah, the Bendem. I got I got the Bendem, yep. and I've got that off of PSA right now. Alter your stuff. I was kind of big into the Gary V stuff. Like that's the reason we have a podcast. Like same same. People said, "Hey, quit talking about it. Record it." And we started doing it. Now we have tens of thousands of, you know, 20, 30,000 all over the country. Um, but he, you know, talked about vintage soccer. And to me that, I don't know, I don't really, I don't like soccer, but I like money. <laughs> and to right. me, soccer every four years for World Cup is like, that audience is so much bigger than, you know, my Zach Moss card or, or different things. So mm-hmm. really heavy into a bunch of soccer cards. They're still at PSA, but I bought some really cool, early early pay lace we got a hot take coming in right now yeah we're right across the street from the uh 
fire department. Apparently, with with rain coming down, there's still uh, somebody playing with matches and in, in, <laughs> so. No, so so I got really into a lot of these early Pele rookie cards. Oh yeah, yeah. And all I did is I did I didn't know anything about it. I just went to Google. I says top twenty five World Cup players ever, <laughs> and I looked at it and I saw the list. Pele was the only person I know, and then it was Diego Maradona. I'm like, cool. I'll buy a bunch of his stuff really cheap. Let be known to me, like you know, his life was ended shortly. He was murdered. <laughs> right. And I had a whole bunch of cards before he died. So kind of one of those things that I'm like, hey, this could be profitable. And, and we'll see because, like I said, they're still at PSA. So as soon as I get them, we'll, we'll see what they are. But I'm into them. Like, I mean, I might be into everything, maybe three, five hundred bucks. And I might be into it five, ten, fifteen thousand. Who, who knows? Because yeah. a lot of what I have are, they're so old and unique. Nobody else has them. So. Yeah. So, and sometimes like, uh, two things to touch on that, like from a reselling standpoint, I've noticed that sometimes if you have something that's like so incredibly rare or like one of ones, those are really hard to sell because like it's hard to find comps for them. And that's what people like to go off pricing. So like you said, you might be into them for like, you may have a few hundred dollars on your hand or a few thousand, maybe, you know, six figures, who knows what, what could happen with this stuff. Um, it's just, it's it's interesting to see where the market goes on that. And then going back to your sealed wax and using your soccer analogy, like I don't mess around generally. We'll use your Pele, for example. Like, okay, if I have the Pele rookie and it goes to zero, I, would I personally be okay with that? Not really because I, I, I don't, I'm not a soccer fan. But <laughs> the difference is would if, if I knew the Pele card was in a product that was sealed and I had an option to buy that, absolutely I'd buy it. Like I'm such a believer in sealed product, like long-term, I don't care what it is. Like, in fact, go back and look at some of the eighties junk wax, like the, um, like the real junk wax, like the Nintendo stuff or the, you know, Harry and the Henderson Superman, like the, st- the, the stuff that tops would put out. If you go back and look at some of those cards, unless you have them in really high grade, there's not a ton to chase after. Like it's all, per- you know, there was no relics. There's no autographs. It's like, stickers of characters in video games or a movie whatever but if you go try to find that stuff sealed like the the price generally is astronomical anymore so i'm just a huge you're talking about you know going in on the aew boxes any kind of sealed product i think is a no-brainer the the difference is and my thought on that is again look at the 80s stuff like it it's gone up in value over 30 40 years what people are doing is clearing Walmart, you know, out of these things and thinking, oh, I can immediately flip this on eBay for three times the price. That's generally not the case. Like, you know, may, could you flip it? Uh, the most common thing, like, could you flip that for three times the price in a year? Probably. But I think people are getting frustrated because they they can't just 20x their money overnight on a lot of this stuff anymore. So I kind of went a little off topic, but you're talking about the single card versus the sealed wax and AEW and stuff. I want to just tie that together. Nothing on this show is off topic. So (laughs) we're good to everywhere. So here's my question. Like I said, you've been doing this for a while. How do you keep track financially of all of your investments? How do you keep track of your inventory? How do you file your taxes? Like that's always a question because people are like, I get into it. Now, where do I go? So how are you doing that? I think I actually decided to tar- start taking the um, as far as far as like keeping track of sales, profit, and loss. Now I'll be completely transparent. I wasn't even thinking about taxes at the time. I was thinking about 
how can I learn? How can I learn to do this better? Like, I, I don't care about if I even make money. I want to learn the process of what, what sells, what am I losing money on? What am I losing shipping on? You know, just tracking the actual finances first. I, I started doing that in like, I don't know, 2018, 2019, probably. And then all of a sudden I decided, I was like, okay, well, I should probably turn this in on my taxes. Cause I was, <laughs> it, it wasn't just, you know, a couple hundred yes, dollars. It was, <laughs> it was several thousands. So what I did is I just, I didn't know how to do anything. I wrote down the amount of my, what I spent minus what I made and <laughs> fees and everything. and came up with a number, took it to the tax guy because I am absolutely not doing my ta own taxes. Forget that. Um, I, I went and I was like, okay, here's what I got. And luckily it's the same, uh, tax guy that I go to now. He explained the whole process to me. He gave me a sheet that has different categories to fill out for different things. And since that day, I've been keeping the same spreadsheet, but now I have an additional sheet and it all makes sense to me. I count like every single penny down to, and then I was like, he's like, well, you using this as a business. All of a sudden I found, started finding things that I could start counting off as deductions within, so I was like, okay, so the more that I'm doing this, there's actually different benefits to claiming all of it, which is what a lot of people don't want to do. You know, I'm sure, especially last year, I bet a lot of people were not very happy at the end when they decided they had to, you know, file taxes on, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 they weren't expecting to make off of a couple cards. Hot tip, everybody will tip their waiter, they'll tip their mail person. When you tip your accountant, that goes a long way because I can promise you, those people that do it to me, it, it helps because our job is to exactly what you say. It's, let's lay everything out. Yeah, you might have sold, you know, three or four Hogan cards for $15,000, but you're, you're a, an all-in nerd and you went to all these AEW wrestling matches. I'm going to let you write those off because they are a work-related expense. Like when you start making money, other things become a relatable expense. And that's what I try to explain to everybody is, you know, if you made $300, but you want to write off your trip to go, like, that's just not going to jive. But mm -hmm. $20,000 and you had a, a $2,300 show that you went to, that's a legitimate expense. And that's what you're ha seeing happening is, and I just saw it yesterday. I don't know if I sent it to you. There is a bill out right now. It's going to make you, if you make more than $600 and it's always been that way, it's people give it a hard time. Oh, what they're trying to make it worse. Or if I got a less than $20,000, I don't have to file. That's false, but there's a bill right now, whether it passes or not, we don't know any Venmo transactions. They are going to make you file your taxes on your Venmo transactions. And you will have to prove what's income and what's expenses. Cause honestly, that's what a lot of people do. Like they, they don't want to file taxes. So they do it outside of transactions, but eventually the government will find out every single thing you're doing. And it's your responsibility to say, I brought in $30,000, but my expenses were $27,000. So it's always on you. And the more that you understand that as a reseller, as a business, the better off you're going to be. So kudos to your accountant. Yeah. And I, I think it also like helps me that, I was more interested in learning the process of, of, you know, figuring out the numbers. And then after the fact, I was like, Oh, I was supposed to be doing like, people are supposed to be doing this anyway. Okay, great. I'm on the right track. You know? Yeah. Do you, uh, do you sell just on eBay or where are some other places to do the like meetup on Facebook marketplaces or Craigslist or anything like that? 
I don't, I'm not against any of that. I just don't generally have the time to go out and track down, you know, shady people in a Walmart parking lot to try to pick up a lot or Craigslist, stuff like that. Um, eBay is my primary source because I've just, I've decided that that's where the eyeballs are. Like it's one of the biggest platforms, uh, mainly for cards, but then I start, you know, trying to sell other things. And uh, I've, I've used Macari a lot. And it seemed like when Macari first started, I was doing really well with uh, certain things on there. And then as time's gone on, it, it's, it's become very interesting. Like people want to lowball you. People are really strange on there. And a lot of things just aren't selling. So I'm kind of in the process of moving a lot of stuff from Macari to eBay. And then uh, you're talking about Venmo earlier. I have done like several transactions of collections, either in person from just word of mouth that I knew, like, you know, relatives of relatives or friends of friends of coworkers. Uh, hey, I've got this collection. I don't want it. I don't just give me something. Don't give me anything. Just take it off my hands. So I've done a few cash or Venmo transactions that or PayPal that way. Uh, but most of the thing is eBay. All right. Um, you have a home run items. We like to talk about people. Uh, we all know the bread and butter is just, you know, you make a couple sales here, 20, 30, 40, you know, dollars here, there every day. Do you have any like big home run items? That's what people love to hear when we come on here. I had a MacGyver jacket I found at a thrift store that went for like a few hundred dollars and, and just weird stuff like that. Do you have any like big, just can't believe that's what went for items that you just brag a little bit about? I think for me, uh, and I, I said this on a, a recent podcast, I was also appearing on the sports card therapist podcast. He asked me a similar question. And I think for me, it's, it's not that huge home run. It's like a bunch of triples. Does that make sense? Yep. Like I, I do a lot because I'm so, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm risk averse as far as like what I'm into something on from a dollar amount, but I'm not afraid to take a chance. I know it's kind of counterintuitive, but um, I do a lot of like $10 to hundred, you know, 50 to 200 kind of deals. And I just do such a high volume of stuff that that levels up. So like, you know, I might sell, $51 cards turn that $50 or well, you know, after fees and stuff, it ends up being like 30 or 40 turning that into a single card. I really believe in leveling that up, you know, flipping that for, you know, 200% and just keeping that going. Like, I think that's really the key to, to the eventual home run is uh, just the compound volume and compound value of whatever you're going for. I think a lot of people, and I, you know, I can't judge here because different people have different scenarios, but a lot of people just get into reselling because they want to get out of debt or pay bills or stuff like that, which is first and foremost, the best thing you should do in my opinion. But after that, they're like, Oh, well, I need to, I need to go out for the vacation or I need to do this. And I'm completely the opposite. Like I've gotten to where I absolutely hate spending money on anything that's not considered an asset in some form. So I just keep like compiling all of the money that I've made, whether it's 50 cents or, you know, $50, just compiling that all back into collectibles. And if I don't see anything that I really believe in at the time, I've learned that it's just really handy to have that sitting in cash on the sidelines. It's, I say that it's, it's not as good as like having it in a big collectible, but if you really don't <laughs> believe in anything at the time, then I think it does better to sit there because I've had, actually I've had three instances in the past two months where I was, I was, uh, had people come up to me and they're like, Hey, I want to get rid of these collections. Either I need the money. I don't want them sitting around, like I said earlier. And I had the cash on hand from not buying other things. I was just in sell mode. The cash was there. 
And now I'm sitting on even more inventory to make even more money on. It's all, it's one of those, uh, you know, diamond hands, paper hands thing. You know, you hear people talk about that. (laughs) And I'm always, I'm always long-term for everything. So. So I I can't help but notice that you can see your hands. It looks like you have a significant other, a spouse. Is that Mm -hmm. How do you talk about this with your spouse? Because let's be honest, you got some cards and things and, and how does that, conversation because we're all kind of in that situation um are you guys familiar with american girl dolls yes uh my wife is really into that and i actually used this explanation like i saw what she was buying and i was like wait a minute explain this to me and i was like okay there's a market for this like there is wrestling cards or you know hot or uh, sorry wrestling figures hot wheels <laughs> I was, and I, I came from the figure world so i understand it And then I used that and I explained, okay, here's how you can get bigger and better dolls. And then I explained the process of flipping and buying things at thrift stores. We've actually done that a few times. And then I took that aspect and I'm like, okay, what I just explained to you is what I'm doing in these other realms times 10. And she's like, oh, I get it now. So I'm not even, I've I've shown the dollar amount that I'm making and the fact that like I, I do collect, I, you know, I, I, there's things in my collection I don't ever want to get rid of, but I'm also, as I said earlier, and she knows this, that if it came down to it and I've got a part with this stuff, I'm not going to even hesitate. Smart man. That's, that's it also, that's, it also helps too. If like, I'm completely out of debt, my house is paid for and all of that stuff was taken care of way in advance before I even thought about collecting anything huge like that. Does that make sense? It definitely does. Smart man. If you have not made a video about that one, make that video. Cause like I said, it, it, getting your spouse involved in some aspect, cause it, there, I mean, there's always going to be issues, there's always going to be things, but if you can explain it and get them on the same page, like, Hey honey, I know this, you know, might not make sense, but I, I'm going to spend $700 on an eBay auction for a piece of cardboard. <laughs> right. Yeah. And actually it's, it's kind of worked in an interesting way too, that, uh, I, I actually in the process of this have bought her and graded a few cards. So we've got a couple, we've got a Lady Gaga rookie card. She loves Lady Gaga. We've got the Lady Gaga inauguration when she's saying at president Biden's deal. And then we've got some Bianca Belair stuff. And so we're just picking up some, I think uh, we bought it last, last time we went to the LCS, there was an Annie Oakley card that was like a quarter and she picked that up. And she's like, oh, this is really cool. I'm like, let's add it to the collection. And so if it's something you like and it's cheap and you understand how this works now, like we're, it's it's kind of a fun thing. We can do it together, but we're not like so into it that it's taken over our lives. That's that's awesome. So I'm going to take a couple of few more minutes here. Um, have you gotten into tickets yet? Uh, I haven't. I understand the aspect of it and I think it's awesome. But um, you you guys can speak for this too, probably. Like sometimes there's these things that come around and you see them and you understand them, but for some reason you're just not into it yet. I don't know. I, like if I had them, I think they'd be cool collectibles. I've looked at buying a few, but and when I look at them, I'm like, okay, here's this ticket. It's X amount of dollars. I can take that same amount of money and go buy, you know, a, a collection of 9,000 cards or whatever, and eventually flip that into like, sometimes those tickets i wonder like if if it's a fad you know we've seen video games and vhs and and like all different kinds of media you can grade and action figures the grading thing's interesting but i i don't know like i love i love all that stuff but there's a lot of it that i just haven't jumped into yet 
And I, it's not because I only do cards because I've, I will literally buy anything that I think I can resell, but, <laughs> um, and I'm not risk averse either. And I understand it. Like I love NFTs. Like I, a lot of people don't understand digital collectibles and I have, I think I have three or four NFTs right now, but I bought them because I understood what was behind them. And I thought they were cool collectibles, not just like, Hey, I'm going to make a buck like that. I, that's why we're doing this. That's why we resell. Right. But I've also learned that if you don't one of two things, if you don't fully understand it or you are, if you're into it for more than it's worth, if it goes to zero, then you're kind of doing it wrong. And I found that if I've ever tried to do one of those two things, it never works out well for me. So that's why I just haven't gone into tickets yet. I get it. I understand it. I think they're cool, but uh, personally haven't tried that yet. There's only so many hours in the day. So that's the thing. I, I thought I was going to be smart for whatever reason, the wrestling card world is still the bottom of the barrel. Even, I mean, wrestling fans are very avid and they'll buy anything, but wrestling cards haven't came around yet. Wrestling right. are, are through the roof. Like I thought, Oh, I'll go get, you know, uh, WrestleMania three and I'll go get the Montreal screw job and I'll go get all these iconic cards, maybe the first rock title and stuff or, or not cards, but tickets. Yeah, I go and they're already bought up and, and graded. And I thought, well, okay, I missed the boat kind of on that one. I, I could probably still buy into it and make some profit. But but like you're saying, there's not a lot of meat left or I could use that money elsewhere and, and make more of a profit. So, uh, you know, you were, talk, you were talking earlier about going the opposite direction as everybody else. And I like, I don't purposely do that, but that's kind of, as I look back in life, like that's kind of what I've done. And it's always, it's always generally worked out for me. And like, you know, everybody's doing NFTs right now and there's so much crap out there. And it's just like all the sneaker flippers and the people who would like rip grade, send it PSA, make their, you know, 300% profit and repeat. Most of them are in NFTs right now doing that. And like, I just see the bottom crashing out of that so hard on a lot of, I mean, Gary Vee has said it, 98% of them are going to fail. And so I, I dabble and I like them, but it's, it's just like, it's what you said. Like there's not enough meat left on the bone on a lot of these because they're so expensive. So why not go do something else? And that's kind of where I'm at on a lot of stuff right now, especially wrestling cards. Like they've gotten a lot more popular uh, in general, like the price we're never going back to, we were to the floor that we were at even a year ago or the year before that. But it's, uh, it's something I know um, I I'm comfortable with the risk involved and it's just fun. Like I've had more fun with wrestling cards as with just, but then the little world of wrestling cards themselves, and I have any other form of collectibles. Totally, totally get that. So, so if people don't like, they're going to try and find you. Tell us your your other podcasts, what your eBay store is, so that our listeners can get out there and kind of uh, follow a little bit more of what you're doing. The easiest thing you can do is go to my YouTube channel, which is Wrestling with Cards on YouTube. You should be able to just search that and find it. In every single one of the videos, I have in the show notes links to everything I'm doing. So that the eBay store will be in there. Um, Macari's in there if you want to. And, you know, I, that's another thing is like, I'm really willing to deal with people if they contact me off of line, like on social media and say, hey, I found these five items on your eBay store. And it's like, you know, you're at a card show or an auction at that point. And like, I will gladly get rid of stuff at a discount for loyal buyers to to just keep it moving. I mean, you, you I don't know how you guys work, but I like to keep it moving. Like, I don't like to be sitting. I like a lot of inventory, but I don't like to be sitting on it. Like if I have less than 20 sales a day or something like that, even if it's very low dollar amount, it's the sales amount of, of transactions. And I'm like, oh, I'm wasting my time. Well, sounds um, like Derek needs to get a hold of you. <laughs> I've been there. I've been, I've been a customer, I think, before. 
yeah. I, uh, was going to bring up the uh, the storage auction. I just got my uh, package the other day from Tony. From Tony, uh, tell Adam about that that auction and and how that worked. I thought I thought it was really cool. Yeah, you got you guys might have to have Tony on sometime to tell you a little bit more of that. But I can give you the cliff notes. Basically, he has a storage unit because he works with. He, he works with pro wrestlers and actors and people that you've seen on, you know, major motion pictures and TV networks. He goes to these conventions. He helps facilitate the signings and the meet and greets and stuff like that. So over time, he's accumulated just all of this stuff that people have given him and it's sitting in the storage unit. And his goal is, and you know, this is really good that we're talking about on your show. His goal is I want to open a professional wrestling themed store. I know the business. I know what sells. I just need the initial, you know, upfront cost to get turnkey. And I was like, you know what you should do is you should sell a lot of the stuff in your, in your building. And he's like, well, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Cause I have no emotional attachment to ever, anything, but it's like, he's, he gets overwhelmed. And, you know, we talked about this earlier and I'm sure you guys run into people that, you know, if they have more than 10 eBay listings at once, they're like, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't keep track of anything, but I was like, I'll help you. We'll do it live on Instagram to the best of our ability. I'll, tr- I'll monitor the comments and the auctions. We're going to get that money raised. And by the end of the night, after we took out shipping fees and what everybody, I was like, Tony, you made, I don't remember what it was at the time, but I was like, you made X amount. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, you made that in one night from us just doing some promotion and putting in the work for a few hours to get rid of this. You know, we need to do this more often. You're going to open that store and it's going to be great. Yeah, I know. I know. I was there. I was telling a few of my buddies, "Hey, get over there. You need to check this out." It was a really cool idea. Um, and, and it- yeah, we're gonna do more too. We're gonna keep doing doing them until that shed is just completely empty. But um, it's it's hard to do with our schedules. And he's still, you know, with the the COVID stuff kind of easing up a little bit. He's going to more of these conventions now, and his his schedule's ticked up. But we're gonna keep doing them, maybe once a month or so. So it sounds like Derek and I might have to make a trip to uh, Southwest Missouri because you see my stomping ground. I was in that area for two years, so. Oh, that's cool. Green Forest has got a killer uh, uh, thrift shop just maybe an hour south of you. Uh, Barry, Eureka Springs has got some really mm-hmm. cool stuff. I, I spent a lot of time there. My go-to is in uh, uh, Monette, Missouri. I spent some oh yeah, yep, on an ecclesiastical two-year vacation. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very familiar with the area. So are you in Branson or kind of outside? Branson? No, but that's like my favorite place in the world to go. Like I, I, I'm not very far from it, but I feel like such a tourist every time. And I'm like, yeah, this, this stuff's so like ridiculous and gimmicked, and I absolutely love it. But that's where I've also found some amazing things at garage sales and their flea markets are awesome. They have a a local card shop on the landing down there that you can actually, they have really good prices, small selection, but really good prices. Um, I just, I think Branson is my hotbed. And if you hop over the lake, you run into Hollister. Uh, We bought some American girls doll stuff at some of the flea markets there and did okay. But uh, yeah, I I just love that area. Um, And then Springfield's got some, you know, spots here and there, but it seems like Branson is my hotbed. Like I just, I, I just keep finding junk stashed away in little places there. Love it. Love it. Sounds like Derek, we might, maybe we'll go out there and clean out the, uh, the, the storage unit. Yeah. I was just, I was just out. It wasn't that part of Missouri. I went, I just went Kansas city, St. Louis did a little loop. So, um, but there's a lot of stuff out there in the Midwest. I think, I think that gets overlooked as far as uh, everyone thinks big cities, big pictures. Uh, you can live fairly cheap. That's why I keep saying where, where we're at. Oh yeah. Too. But living expenses and, and things are, are kind of lower. 
And there's just a lot of stuff out there. I don't know why, but it seems like some of these places people just hoard get things. And then it's, I don't know, I guess it's wherever you're at, but you can find the, the little thrift stores and things. And there's, there's a lot of profit to be made. And I think it gets overlooked a lot with resellers. Absolutely. One, one thing I've noticed, you say that in this area, it seems like, um, I'm, I try not to be too judgmental about this and it could be like a society issue, but there's so many people I know that they, they hoard things, like you said, and then they're just extremely lazy. And, you know, you'll drive by and see piles of car parts just stacked up in people's front yards and stuff like that. And like, uh, despite, I'm sure you guys can see behind me, I have a lot of stuff. Like most of the stuff is just extra inventory or just cool stuff sitting around. But uh, generally, I'm a minimalist. Like I don't like a lot of stuff. So I, I have that, again, going back to the eBay thing when we started the show, like I have this work ethic of I've got all I'm I'm overwhelmed by this stuff around me. I need to sell it and get rid of it. And people around here just don't operate like that. They're very, very slow operating. They're very you know easy, easy going, very very nice people. But at the same time, like that's you know that's probably why they're living a lot longer than probably I will because I'm just like go 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 flip <laughs> buy sell you know. And uh, but they you know most people just kind of like to take it easy around here and they put stuff in there barns or their sheds or garages and then they decide to have a garage sale one day and you know the next thing you know you can find some treasure there you go lots of treasure especially in the missouri area i one probably off the wall kind of questions here can you explain to me what the word unes is that's a word out there you boys ain't from around these parts do you get that in your part of missouri or is that just an arkansas thing oh no no we get that we get all of the all that slang and i understand it but most people i talk to don't believe i live here because i don't have that same thick country <laughs> accent like everyone else does and I'm, I'm born and raised in this area so i don't know what the deal is i've just i've never picked up on the vernacular of that but i do understand it so um uh, to sum it up this way we're not we're not in Louisiana, but if you guys have seen the water boy and the coach with the overalls, that's kind of how everyone talks here. And I'm <laughs> like, if, you, if you're here, you know, but if you're not from here, you're, you kind of have to have a translator be like, what did you say? So yeah, I don't, y- Yunzes and Yunz guys and y'all and all that fun stuff. Be- best thing I heard is they said Yunz equals y'all plus three. So I was like, all right, I, I'm sure that makes sense to me. So love, pretty accurate. Love where you're at. It's a great area. So D-Roy, you got anything to wrap up? No, with? Man, I, just, I just tilted my head a little bit on that one, but uh, <laughs> appreciate you. I know I know you're a busy man. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Appreciate you carving out some time coming in here. Uh, to our listeners, if you're not familiar, go check out the the YouTube page. And I mean, you, you can learn a lot, even if that's not what you're what you're after. So. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Adam's showing me you have, uh, what, 500? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, once I hit the, which, which you know, in the YouTube world, that's nothing. But, you know, when I first started this, and I'm tying this together with Gary Vee, because we were talking about him. Like, you know, when, when he said, just press record, and that's what you guys are doing. Um, when I started that, I was like, oh, you know, I'll be happy if like five people care. And here we are, 500 and some later. And, and that's not even counting. Like, I found out a lot of people listen to the podcast that don't necessarily watch the YouTube channel and vice mm-hmm. versa. So you're getting different people. And I reached out to, I sent Gary an email and I put out a tweet and all this stuff. I hit the 555 subscribers and I'm like, okay, I got to at least try it. Of course he didn't answer, but. For some reason he follows me on Twitter. That was another funny thing. Adam's a big fan. I'm not the big Gary B guy, but uh, he was looking for wrestling cards because it was kind of that big push. And Adam, mm-hmm. 
he took out my buddy Derek's stuff, and I don't remember what card or whatever he linked me to. And next thing I know, Gary's following me on Twitter. That's and cool. It was just like, what happened there? How'd that happen? <laughs> I hold it over his head right now, but uh, I, I figured he would just unfollow me, but he's still there. I, That's I, awesome. One thing, like I said, just trying stuff. I saw you do a couple videos on TikTok. Um, one of my other spinning plates, um, I own a business where we make and manufacture off-road wheelchairs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. A unique thing. We, we threw it up on TikTok. Um, we just hit our, our, we're almost 51 million views on TikTok, pushing our buddy in a wheelchair. So you, you never know where you're going to hit. And like I said, we appreciate every single person that listens to our podcast, watches a video. It all helps. And whether it's one or 1 million, every single person is important. We appreciate it, and and like I said, you're you're sharing some awesome knowledge with us. Yeah, and to our listeners, go give him a follow. Go go check it out. Subscribe if it's your thing. But uh, a lot of content over there, and I appreciate it. Your, your videos, they're they're entertaining. They give me something to go look at. I bought a lot of cards just from things that you've shown or, or done. But also, uh, there's there's information there that I think can be used in all reselling platforms. It's not just wrestling cards, even though that's the focus. So. Uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate the time. And if you got anything else you want to plug or anything else you want to say, the uh, floor is yours, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm always flattered when people ask me to come on their platform, whether it's like you said, one or one million, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just happy to talk about stuff that I'm passionate about, whether that's reselling, wrestling cards, uh, music, hobby related stuff. Like, if it's something I'm passionate about, I love to talk about it. So check out the YouTube channel. That's the main platform. And then, like I said, if you check the show notes for every single video or within the channel itself, you can find my links to my social platforms, the other podcasts I'm involved with. And if you guys need help for like my, my DMs are open on all platforms. So if you need reselling advice or questions on a card, if there's something I haven't answered in one of the videos, I'm happy to help however I can. And, you know, that's just the whole reason that I started the if you'd asked me two years ago, if I'd be sitting here doing this right now, I would have told you you're crazy. Like I had, I did, I wasn't a big social media guy. I was like, why would I want to start a YouTube channel or a podcast? <laughs> I'd actually start a podcast in the past and they just flopped and I didn't have the patience, but here I am, you know, a couple of years later after starting this, thanks to Gary V and everybody that's continued to support all my content and I'm just having a blast. So thanks you guys for having me on and thanks. Thanks for doing what you do. You know, you said it, you guys said it, you took the chance and just hit the record button and here we are. The, the best part is, like I said, Derek's got knowledge, but every single person listen to this, whether they do or don't, have to file their taxes. And, and that's what you always hear is, well, what should I do? Well, there's a couple things you should be doing, and it's not just, well, talk to your tax guy. I am the tax guy. That's what I say is I tell people kind of what to do. Find a great account. That's the best avenue that you can do. You, you found one that's that's great to you. So Yep um Derek well I mean you've listened to 10 shows now so I guess you know how this ends yep two things in life there for certain Sam you know what those two things are uh Hulkamania and The Rock oh no sorry sorry sorry. (laughs) death and taxes there There we go. go
be right in front.